It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bounce back game for the T-Wolves. They snapped their two-game losing streak. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman. He's going to help me break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T-Wolves bounce back strong in Houston tonight. 122-95. They snapped their only two-game losing streak of the season. They moved to 25-9 on the year. What's happening, everyone? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. He claims he's in a Michael Jordan flu game tonight, so we'll see what type of performance we get from him but before we jump into all that quick reminder tonight's episode brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase that's locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase all right man let's jump right into this one lots to cover really i mean this this is the game I think Wolves fans wanted to see, right? After losing two in a row, everybody was getting after it tonight. They they just looked a lot more active, a lot more fresh tonight and really played with that that new gear, really, that's been missing these last two games that Coach Finch told us about in his last press conference. Uh, start here, though. Give us your major headlines, big observations, just to kick things off. Yeah, nice to see the Timberwolves get out to their their largest lead of the season so far, thirty three points. Um, just one game after the season ended, um, that was uh, that was great. Obviously, to to see that. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my biggest thing in this game was just the way that the the Timberwolves were able to force the Rockets to take shots that uh, that the Timberwolves wanted them to take. I think that. Uh, the Rockets took a lot of ill-advised shots early in the shot clock, and the Timberwolves did an excellent job of of rebounding. I believe they won the rebound battle. The rebound battle here, what was it, fifty-two to thirty-eight? Um, that's going to play every single night, um, you know. And they just didn't let any of uh, Houston's guys really establish a rhythm that that lasted more than one quarter. Um, Jaden McDaniel's was phenomenal um, in, in disrupting Fred VanVleet early on. I know that uh, you know Alperin Shengun. Um, really, really talented center, really burly dude, um, tough guy to, to get over screens on for, for someone like Jaden, but, um, but he did a great job. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, seven points on, on two of nine shooting. Um, that, that's a great, that's a great thing. Um, and then with Shengun too, I mean, you look at Rudy Gobert, um, you know, played really soft on Shengun early in the game, that first quarter allowed 11 points on five of seven shooting kind of in that short mid-range area, that little floater area, we saw Shen Goon really get going. And then the rest of the game, uh, I believe Shen Goon had, what was it, eight points on three of ten shooting with two turnovers. Um, so, mm. you know, really, really great job, uh, especially from the, the Timberwolves' two defensive stars for, for really setting the tone. And then, you know, you had guys like Kyle Anderson who came in and, and played in the gaps off the ball really well, moved their feet. Um, you know, Kyle, I believe, had three steals tonight, but, but certainly – um, you know, impacted, uh, you know, even more turnovers. I would say that he probably created six or seven turnovers just with his defensive activity alone. 
um, which is obviously a great thing. And, you know, amidst all the conversation about, you know, Kyle Anderson potentially being a trade tar or, a, you know, a trade ship that the Timberwolves move out. Um, you know, I, I have certainly been one that's been pounding the drum of, I don't think people fully understand just how important he is defensively. And I think he's a really important piece to, to the Timberwolves being able to play to their truly like huge, really big, um, you know, lineups and especially defensively where those have been so successful. He's been such an important, you know, linchpin of that. And, um, and tonight was another example of that. And, and tonight, you know, the Timberwolves two stars didn't, didn't play all that particularly well uh, offensively. Uh, it was just really kind of all over the place up and down, but you know, when the Timberwolves have their defensive fastball, like they did tonight um, and, and then rebound the ball, you know, or active off the ball, you know, I believe, what was it? They created 15 turnovers, turned it into 18 points, ran really well, won the fast break battle, I think 20 to six um, or 20 to eight, excuse me. So, um, you know, really just a defense first game and, and the rest kind of fell into place. And that's exactly what the Timberwolves needed, um, you know, over this last stretch of five, six games where their defense has, has really slipped and has been pretty pedestrians. And hopefully now the, the Wolves can kind of turn it on here, um, you know, against two more really, really good teams before their schedule gets, um, or excuse me, three more pretty good teams here before their schedule gets really soft. Yeah, well said. And, and, you know, you lose two in a row, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. And it, it kind of put things into perspective a little bit. And just taking a step back here for a second, man, you win by what, 32, 33 tonight. Just such a fun run for this team this year, beating the teams they're supposed to beat, first and foremost. Some great road wins along the way. My mind immediately goes to at Dallas, at Miami, at Sacramento. No cat in that game. Maybe the best win of the year, arguably, anyways. And, and they're doing it in so many different ways, too, which is, again, what the best teams in this league do. So a great get-right game tonight, taking care of business. And, and speaking of a clean game, too, Cat, man, Carl Anthony Towns, he was crispy tonight. And, and he was doing all the little things you want to see, too, not just the points and the box score, but rebounding, handful of assists, good defense on the other end. Evaluate his game tonight and how important he was in this one. And in the big picture, when he pays attention to the finer details, how important is that guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously think he's a really important player. Um, you know, I, I I would probably give tonight like a C minus or a C, honestly. Um, I think that, you know, Carl had four turnovers. Uh, he was pretty chaotic and pretty all over the place for half the minutes. Is that, that anything new, though? Uh, not in the last handful of games, really, since he's come back from that that injury that he suffered, you know, right above his left knee um, it, that caused him to miss that Sacramento game that you mentioned. Um you know, obviously he was really important in the second half of just like helping the Wolves extend the lead and um, and had some timely baskets. But man, there were a lot of times where he took some kind of ill-advised shots on the drive where he passed up some wider than wide open threes to drive into double, triple coverage, turn it over or throw up just a, a crazy layup, hoping that there was a foul and then he's on the ground and, and the you know, Rockets are out and running. And, you know, thankfully the you know, the Rockets weren't able to convert as much on that as, you know, other teams have been able to in the past that really makes some of that, um, some of that kind of chaotic play from, from Carl stand out a little bit more, but um, you know, got to give credit to Carl. He really you know, recovered pretty nicely with, uh, with some good defensive plays when he checked in um, at the end of the third quarter, had that, um, you know, that great take to get to the free throw line, made a couple free throws, had a great shot block and, and rebound on the other end. And then, um, and then found slow-mo for that, that cutting poster dunk, you know, all three possessions in a row, which was, which was phenomenal. Um, and then, and then obviously kind of kept it rolling into the fourth quarter to really, um, you know, stamp out the rockets. But, but I think offensively, um, 
the Wolves just, you know, have to get through to whether it's that whether they've tried to get through to Carl or Carl won't listen or um, or they haven't tried to get through to Carl. I don't know. I, shooting four three pointers in a game for Carl Anthony Towns is unacceptable. Um, he should be shooting threes twice as much as he's posting up twice as much as he's driving. And that's just not the case right now. Um, he's driving way more than he's shooting threes. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best shooters in the league, shooting over 40 percent from three. Um, at almost every single time he takes a three pointer, it's a good shot. And, um, and he's just passing up way too many wide open threes to drive. I'm totally cool with him passing up, you know, a good three pointer for, to, you know, to kick an extra pass, sure. like you did yeah. to Ant or Jaden a few times today. And he's, and he's a super unselfish dude. And, and that's obviously a great thing. We, we want him to keep doing that, but, um, but some of these drives, man, um, just driving in double, triple coverage with charges and turnovers are frustrating. So that's, that's where you kind of got to clean up on the margins. But, um, but again, his 22 points and six rebounds had some really awesome passes out of the post to find, um, you know, three point shooters on the perimeter, which was sweet. Um, or the, or the cut to, to Kyle a couple times had a great cut, um, pass to Rudy for, for a dunk, which was great. Um, so, um, we'll, we'll get there, Sam, don't you worry. Um, but, but yeah, I, again, I, I just think it's all the stuff on the margins for Carl. And, but again, I think you gotta, you gotta take a night like tonight and see a C or C minus might be a little harsh. I'd probably say like a B, B or well, B minus. No, I, um, I appreciate. Especially consider the way he's been playing of late. He hasn't been as good. Sure. Kind of, this is a good kind of step in the right direction for sure. Well, I was going to say, I appreciate that evaluation because when you win by 33, it's easy to smell the roses, but like you pointed out, still plenty to clean up from his game as he, again, still tries to get back up to his A game, so to speak. Nonetheless, though, overall, clean game that you wanted to see where every offensive statistic went the Wolves' way tonight, including J-Mac. Yes, Sam Ekstrom, that's right, J-Mac. Uh, kind of been waiting for him to pop off a little bit more consistently, right? 16 points tonight, ultra efficient, though. Seven for 10 from the floor, two of three from deep. Even got three boards tonight. Watch out. Three rebounds from J-Mac, which as of late, that's a monster game from him. Um, I guess why is it so important to keep getting these kind of games from J-Mac consistently? Again, something that we really haven't seen consistently as of late. It's really important because it allows the Timberwolves to really, you know, still sc score well. I mean, they scored 122 points despite both of their best players shooting 8 of 17 from the floor um and, and turning the ball over nine times um so you know my thing with Jaden is is frankly I've been a little disappointed with what we've seen from Jaden so far offensively how, how if we want to do a little blame pie you know I don't know how much of that is on the coaching staff for not helping him you know get the ball in places where he can attack from like they did tonight um or, or how much of it is just on Jaden with his confidence in going and, and getting the ball and just confidently attacking the rim and getting to his spots in the mid-range and scoring like we saw tonight. I think the biggest difference tonight compared to earlier in the season um, or those nights that he isn't scoring uh, is that, you know, he caught the ball in an empty corner quite a lot. Uh, and the Timberwolves got him the ball either in handoff situations uh, where he could attack the baseline, which he's he's been really good at um, for pretty much his entire career. Um, or they just got the ball to him in the corner and really spaced out um, and, and let him attack in, in a spread floor in a one-on-one -on -one situation um, in, in which he was also really successful tonight. I think the biggest thing for Jaden is if you can kind of set, you know, a pin down screen like we saw Rudy Gobert do for Anthony Edwards quite a bit in the fourth quarter uh, where you can throw him the ball when he's kind of catching it on the move coming out of the corner and into the middle of the floor and either can curl into a shot 
uh, or can then drive uh, right into the teeth of the deep teeth of the defense because he does have really good touch around the rim and we've seen that his long arms kind of unlock all these crazy finishing angles that are really tough to stop and you kind of saw the full bag from Jaden McDaniels tonight and then you know the the three times that he was open uh, from beyond the arc and you know wanted to let it rip he let it rip and he was two or three from beyond the arc so um, for Jaden I just think it's a confidence thing all right now you scored 16 points do it again against Dallas you know Dallas is a pretty small team um, that'll probably stick Kyrie Irving. I'd imagine Kyrie Irving would guard, uh, or Luca would guard, um, would guard Jaden, uh, on Sunday. And, and that's a matchup that Jaden McDaniel should, should absolutely look to exploit. Um, you know, go, getting, you know, downhill off the dribble to, uh, you know, to make those guys work. And the more that Jaden McDaniels is able to score, the better the Timberwolves offense is going to be because they won't be as, you know, top heavy and reliant on, Ant or Carl or, you know, even Mike Conley. I think this was kind of like a night that Mike didn't even really play that much. He only played 25 minutes, but they were pretty low usage minutes. He wasn't fighting over screens that much. He wasn't initiating a ton of offense. Um, and, you know, again, the, the more the Timberwolves are able to get scoring from, from guys you know, not named Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards, um, you know, the better they're going to be. And, and when they can get it that efficiently from Jaden and, and what seemed like really repeatable, offense right it didn't seem like it was anything crazy weren't a ton of lucky crazy shots that went in um he was getting to his spots and and connected so we need we need a lot more of that from from jane if the timberwolves want to you know start a new winning streak and uh, and try to improve their offense the second half of the season ah great breakdown right there and 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 well said um plenty more to to deep dive into tonight's 33 point victory in houston right after a quick word from game time Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time, they're the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater, and with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real visual and accurate look on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. See for yourself how easy it is. Just create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account and redeem your code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Game Time. Terms apply. All right, let's pick back up here. Uh, one of the issues lately, and, and Tyler and I were talking about this after that two-game losing streak, just the Wolves kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Maybe you guys touched on this on the uh, Minnesota Basketball Party, which you can check out every uh, Wednesday afternoon as well. But the turnovers, right? Like, they were cooking in a good way in the first half tonight, but then things started to kind of even out at the end. 14 for the Wolves, 15 for Houston. Uh, when they did look better and were getting the steals, playing some clean defense, I'm curious if you thought it was more, I guess, just in general tonight, sloppy play by Houston or great defense by the Wolves? Because I guess I, I know it's just one game, but the turnovers you saw tonight were, 
that sustainable, I guess, long run? Or I'm just curious your two cents on these turnovers from the Wolves and if you're seeing some steady improvement throughout the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that I've seen steady improvement from the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of their own turnover issues. I, I think that those are well documented. And the problem with the Timberwolves is that a lot of their turnovers are live ball turnovers, uh, meaning that, you know, their steals, uh, which the other team can take the other way and more easily convert into points. That's why a lot of times you see the Timberwolves lose uh, the points off turnover battle, even if they have a similar number of turnovers as the opponent. That did not happen tonight. The script was kind of flipped. So um, the 12 of the 15 Rockets turnovers were live ball turnovers, which is a huge reason why the Timberwolves were able to score, you know, 20 fast break points, 12, or uh, I think they scored, what was it, 18 points off those 15 turnovers. So um, that was great. And only seven of the Timberwolves 14 were live ball turnovers. So they did a good job of um, kind of limiting their bad pass turnovers that that become steals that uh, the Rockets turn the other way. But, but yeah, in terms of the Rockets, I, I think it was a good combination of both in terms of them just being kind of loose and careless with the basketball. And the Timberwolves really did a great job playing in the gaps. I think they were trying to, you know, lull the Rockets into throwing some of these risky passes. I think the Rockets are a team that, um, you know, really struggle with length when you think about, you know, pretty skinny uh, or small guys and Fred Van Vliet and uh, Jalen Green, who are your main ball handlers. And that, you know, when they see length, they're going to have to try to jump to make passes or, um, you know, jump stop and then try to, you know, throw passes at tough angles. And the Wolves did a good job of capitalizing on that. I mean, when you put a guy at seven feet with a seven foot two or three wingspan and McDaniels on a guy like Van Vliet, who's maybe six two, maybe. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, be able to create some turnovers and then they just have a lot of inexperienced guys that are playing in that rotation. Um, you know, that, that are probably being asked to do a little bit too much offensively. Um, and so, but, but like I said, I mean, the Timberwolves did a great job of, you know, forcing a shot profile from, from the Rockets that works for them. They, they took a lot of really tough mid-range shots, um, contested three-point shots, which was great. Um, but again, you just, you have to like the, the Timberwolves defensive activity. I think that they can do more of that. Um, they can try to get out and run and enforce turnovers more because it's something that, that we've seen a lot of these players be able to do, you know, when Ant and Carl and, um, and, and Jaden and Nas all played in that, that system two years ago, that, that team was really, um, you know, it's bread and butter was really, uh, forcing turnovers and getting out and run and playing really aggressive, active defense off the ball. And so those guys are all still capable of doing that. Um, and they have even better defenders now. When you think about guys like you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had two steals. Uh, Kyle Anderson had two steals. Uh, Gobert had two steals. And then and then our boy uh, Jordan McLaughlin also had two steals in, in 13 minutes. And he's always been a, a guy that's been right up there in, in terms of steal percentage. Um I would imagine he's right up there near the top of the, of the NBA again so far this season with two and 13 minutes tonight. So, um, yeah, they can do it. It's just a matter of, of how much you want to move off of that pretty conservative drop coverage defense where everybody's staying home on the outside to, you know, playing a little bit more up at the level of the screen and uh, and trying to be active with your hands and force turnovers that way. Yeah. When you lose two in a row, most teams lean on the veterans, right? Kind of cliche, but it's true. Kind of clean everything back up, rally everybody back together. And you knew even though the media, if you listen to the media after these two losses, again, like the sky is falling. Charles Barkley says, "Ah, I don't believe in the Wolves anymore because they lost two in a row. Big deal, dude. Relax. But uh, you knew we were going to get back to our bread and butter, right? And, And rely on the veterans during these tough stretches like we had this week. I know he only had eight points. And you touched on Mike Conley already. 
But how much of an impact do you think he has during those kind of quote-unquote bounce-back situations, gluing the team back together a little bit? Because I thought tonight was going to be a, a great litmus test versus kind of a juiced-up Rockets team, and they obviously delivered. We said 33-point victory, 27-point victory, my apologies. But Conley and Rudy and the veterans specifically, how much did they impact the box score or otherwise? Because I know I'm getting ahead of myself, way ahead of myself. I mean, call me out. Tell me to pump the brakes. But I'm thinking about this team in the playoffs, right? And the teams are the best of the best in the NBA. And you could easily find yourself kind of in a hole. You got to dig your way out of. How huge, though, could these veterans like Conley be late in the year, deep in the playoffs in those big moments? And I guess more importantly, how confident are you with who they've got running the show? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at those two guys, they've got more playoff experience than Ant, Carl, and Jaden and Nas combined. Um, so you're obviously going to want to lean on them. And I think you know where those two are really, really helpful is that um, they're both excellent communicators and organizers. Organizers, where where Mike is really taking care of that on the offensive end of the floor and knows, you know, basically how to spread the ball around so that you know everybody is kind of getting. Um, the necessary amount of touches that they need in order to be successful, um, especially between uh, Carl, Ant, and Rudy. Uh, and, and then with Mike, too, obviously, you know, he's the guy who best activates Gobert. Um, and when Gobert is able to play above the rim like he was tonight, um, you know, he's just much more effective and he's got a lot more energy to give um, when he's pumped up offensively on the defensive end of the floor. So, uh, and then the thing with Rudy is he's just such a tone setter defensively that I think. You know, he makes all these plays that may not show up in the box score of getting guys to you know, kind of U-turn on their drives to the rim or, or pass it up on, on drives to the rim uh, or, or just take really tough shots. I mean, you, know, you can look at defensive field goal percentage, but those, you know, you don't have those uh, single game numbers until, you know, generally the day after the game. So I can't look at those right now, but, you know, he contested a ton of shots in the lane. I mean, if you're looking at, at Houston here, Houston took half. 45 of their 90 shots were in the paint, but they shot 51% on those paint shots. And a lot of it is because you look at basically their shots, you know, away from the rim. So you want to look at their shots from four to 14 feet. They took 20 of those shots. They shot 35% on those shots and league average is much closer to, you know, 42, wow. 45% on those shots. And, and that's where the Wolves have been thriving all year. It's not just Rudy too, but Carl has done a great job of contesting those shots um, so far this season. And so I think with those two guys, it's just the communication, the organization, the tone that they can set, um, and, and just the trust, right? That, the you know, the, uh, the earned trust that they have from all these guys. All these guys, you know, really respect Mike and, and Rudy as leaders, as guys that have done things in the NBA that they have never done before. Um, you know, they have the credibility of, of the playoff series wins. Mike, you know, being a teammate of the year guy that everybody everybody loves, being, you know, one of the best, you know, floor general point guards. And, and then the the three defensive player of the year trophies speak for themselves um, with, with Rudy Gobert. So, no question that those guys are going to be helpful. And and another thing, too, that, that Rudy talked about a couple of weeks ago post game is the need for the Timberwolves to kind of practice uh, within games, meaning they're going to try a bunch of different things, whereas fans might be banging their heads against the wall saying, you know, why aren't they running more pick and roll with Mike and Rudy? Why aren't they you know, running this play or that play if it's been successful? And Rudy spoke like, hey, like I've been in the playoffs, like you've got to be able to do different things. Like when you look at that the jazz teams, like they were only really good at running spread pick and roll and they weren't really good at doing anything else. And, and the Timberwolves are trying to be good at that. Everything else that those jazz teams weren't good at 
Um, so it's really important that those two guys are also leading the charge and like, hey, we know that the play that involves the two of us works really well, but we want to get everyone else involved and make sure that we can find things with you guys that also works beyond just with what works with the two of us, which I think is going to be really important here. Um, you know, as the Timberwolves have this, you know, 45, 50 game on ramp, whatever it is here before they hit the playoffs to to kind of find what works, find a rhythm and and be able to to kind of stow away some things that they can get back to in the playoffs. Yeah, well, one of the luxuries, too, when you build such a large uh, a lead right in the standings, like you have the luxury all of a sudden to experiment practice on the court try some new things during the regular season that maybe some other teams don't have that same luxury that could potentially benefit you exponentially come playoff time or at least late in the season so love hearing that um i always learn a lot from you about not just the wolves but around the nba as well just a quick 60 seconds on this houston team Uh, van fleet okay not the game we're used to seeing i think he got a little hobbled later in the game but you already talked about shangun ja green you can kind of see the nucleus they have now they started to impress some people, I think, around the, the rest of the league. What, what's your quick scouting report, though, uh, on another potential Western Conference playoff team here? Yeah, um, I, I personally think that they're going to they're going to fall off and they're going they to get a fizz playoffs. out. Okay. Uh, but but again, you have to give them credit for, for how they've started this season. I mean, when you look at uh, when you look at what they've been able to do defensively, according to cleaning the glass, they're the third best team. Uh, defensively coming into this season, which is pretty remarkable when you consider, you know, obviously they, they have a new coach coming in in Ime Udoka, who led the Celtics to the finals a couple years ago uh, in his first season there. But when you want to look at Houston last year, they had, you know, pretty much the exact same personnel outside of adding Fred Van Vliet and, uh, and Dylan Brooks, who's a really important defensive player for them on the perimeter that did not play tonight and has not played the last handful of games. But um, they were 29th in defense last year. They were eight points per 100 possessions better defensively this season than they were last year, which is an astronomical jump. Um, and adding one perimeter defender and a point guard that doesn't really play defense, um, it you know should not be the reason why you jump eight points. Like adding Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, and Nikhil Alexander Walker the same season could certainly help you do that, but not, but not guys like that. And so uh, Ima Udoka deserves a ton of credit for, for how he's getting these guys to play defense. They've been really active defensively, uh, which has been nice to see. And, and they're a really, really young team still. Um, and so I think for them, the, the challenge is, um, you know, how do they kind of get all these guys fed offensively, right? Like you have Jabari Smith Jr. is more of a stretch four that's kind of still trying to find his way after, you know, maybe a disappointing rookie season offensively. And um, and Jalen Green has just really kind of been all over the place, but is really, you know, bought into to playing defense at a higher level this season when his offense isn't there, which has been important for them. And um, and then you just bring some guys off the bench like Jeff Green, a you know, grizzled veteran, kind of like Mike Conley that, um, you know, all those guys really respect and look up to and has helped these guys play at a higher level defensively for sure. Um, and then you, you have guys like Jay Sean Tate and, and Dylan Brooks on the perimeter that can really fly around Tari Eason as well. So they've got a lot of length, which helps them on the perimeter defensively. That's really where their, their bread is buttered defensively is, you know, hounding ball handlers and, and playing active off the ball, things like that. Cause Shengun's not really a rim protector. So, um, you know, but, but really impressive from them to be able to turn it around the way they have and, and at least play more com- competitive basketball they've got to they've got to turn it up you know away from the Toyota Center where they haven't been very good but um but yeah I, this year's been a great step in the right direction for them so that, far. that's a great snapshot right there love that all right couple quickies to close before we wrap up but first a quick word from FanDuel 
Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down and win just $5 on any money line wager. I love the Cowboys this week versus Washington. 13-point favorites. Take them to win outright. You could win $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right. All we hear about is this tough schedule, man. All right, still going. Mavs again next. Magic, Celtics, Blazers, Clippers. What's just the one thing, one thing that jumps out to you the most when you hear those next five games? Whether it's a specific game, a specific player, a matchup, I don't know. What sticks out the most? I think it's got to be the Clippers. Um, uh, the Clippers are a capital P problem um, with, with the way that James Harden has been playing and has been able to – you know, really breathe some life into into the offense. Um, they they made a change to uh, send Russell Westbrook back to the bench, um, and so they've they've really had um, you know their big three of of Kawhi, Paul George, and James Harden really humming uh, over the last month or so. I mean, if you just take a take a quick look at at what they've been able to do in the in the last month, if you just look at their schedule, it's a lot of green, a lot of W's. Uh, I think they've only lost one game. Uh, since they played the Warriors, which was, oh boy, when was that game? They've lost one game since December 2nd. Um, I want to say they're like 17 and one or 16 and one in that frame, something like that. Um, so, so they're really coming on strong. I'm, I'm really excited to see how they play because they're a team that can really spread you out and, um, and they'll really challenge this offense. So, um, so that'll be really fun to see for me. Um, and then, you know, I, I really want to see how how competitive they're going to be able to be, um, you know, in Boston. I know it's the second night of a back to back, but but that first game was just such a banger um, at, at Target Center that you'd hope that that they don't just completely mail that in. But man, Orlando and then Boston is a really tough back to back um, when you're when you're just talking in terms of miles traveled. So um, that'll be interesting. But again, I mean, if if you can if you can get the bench to play how they played tonight, you know, thirty nine bench points. Um, you look at you know, Nas had 16, Nikhil had 11, um, Jordan McLaughlin had, had three points and three assists. I mean, when you look at them I and mean, the bench alone had what, six, eight, 13 assists um, and moved the ball really well and, and played the way they did. They're going to really need the bench, um, you know, in this next next week or so, uh, 10 days or so, um, just because I, this, it's going to be a game where the starters are really going to have to work um, defensively. Um, and other guys are going to have to work defensively. Um, and it's not going to be a night where Ant and Carl can just kind of be scorers and not play on the other end. So I think the more well-rounded and balanced they can be, um, you know, playing some of these teams that uh, that can really make life difficult for you on both ends of the floor in Orlando, Boston, and, 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 and oh, my goodness, and L.A., mm-hmm, um, right. you know, that, that you know, well-rounded attack is going to be really important. And, um, and it will be fun to watch because, you know, I mean, if you're just going up and down and looking at the schedule here, the Timberwolves, you know, don't play all that many really solid teams um, 
you know, until the trade deadline on, on February 8th when they're going to be in Milwaukee. So, um, and there's some playoff teams, you know, they play Oklahoma city twice in that span. They play Memphis. Um, it's got job back obviously, but, but the majority of these games are very winnable against non-playoff teams. So, um, you know, if they can just kind of get through with seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here, it'll be, um, it'll be uh, coasting at least a little bit. Um, and hopefully their, their play doesn't slip and they can kind of, um, you know, find themselves a little bit more offensively in ways that they haven't been able to against these, you know, these teams over 500 that for the majority have, have really strong defenses that they've, uh, but Hey, even if when they haven't played their best offensively, they've still found ways to win these games. And I think they're what, like, you know, eight and five in, in these games against uh, that sounds playoff right. over yeah, 500 that sounds right. teams. So, Hey yeah. man, I mean, anything above 500, you'll certainly take that with the way they started. Let's end with this one. Ricky Rubio announces he's retiring after the season, 421 games, seven seasons with the Wolves, 30, 60 seconds at the most. What you'll remember the most, I guess, about pretty Ricky, his time in Minnesota and his career as a whole. Yeah. I just an amazing human being. Um, first and foremost, uh, I think that he, he is an incredibly easy dude to root for because he just had this, such a positive spirit, um, infectious personality that really came out in the way that he played. I mean, one of the mo most unselfish guys you'll find as a player and a person, uh, teammate, uh, and, and it's no surprise when you look around the league to hear guys like, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, all these guys just speak glowingly of Ricky Rubio as a teammate and, and what he helped them do uh, and learn as players in this league. Um, you know, he's a, a mentor to a lot of great dudes. Um, and I'll just never forget just how much pizzazz and flair he played with when he first came over um, and just, you know, the kind of the youthful spirit uh, and the way that that ignited the crowd at Target Center and uh, made so many great passes that led to incredible dunks from guys like Andrew Wiggins. And uh, always that remember that that dump off pass he had to, to KG to dunk over Blake Griffin um, yeah. oh, and yeah. uh, just just a, a really fun player uh, that, that played the game the right way, really competed defensively and and made everyone around him better. And uh, I think when you have a guy that, that plays with that much joy and, and you hear about you know, and, and it's had such a positive impact on people. And you hear about what he's been dealing with the last, you know, six, eight months or so uh, with, with his mental health issues, you just root for the guy and hope, hope that, um, you know, he kind of finds his peace and, uh, you know, and really can enjoy, uh, you know, being a dad and, um, and living back home in, in Spain with his family. So, um, you know, great dude, great player. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, a guy who I think should should absolutely have that number nine uh, retired in the south end of Target Center. Absolutely. Well said. We'll end on that. Well done tonight, as always. Let's get you out of here so you can grab a Gatorade and ice up. <laughs> Wolves bounce back strong, though. They get their mojo back. 122-95 victory over Houston. They scoop up their 25th win of the year. And look, it's only the first week of 2024. As always, huge shout out to everyone who joined us in the postcast, in the comment section. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place right here to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out Jack's work on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And by the way, you can always check out Jack on the Minnesota basketball party with our guys Sam Ekstrom, Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson from CARE 11 every Wednesday afternoon as well. That'll do it for us tonight. Next on deck. Mavericks Sunday night tip off 6 30 p.m. Central Standard Time again join us right here for the entire recap and follow all our work over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network one more quick plug if you haven't already you got to go check out Ben Beacon too over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well he's Jack Borman 
I'm Luke Imman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.